Welcome to another episode of Money You Should Ask. I'm your host, Bob Wheeler, and in this episode, we're going to explore, question, examine, converse, dig deep, expose, laugh, and cry about the money beliefs, money blocks, and life challenges of our next guest. Turn up the volume, listen, learn, and laugh. Our next guest is Dr. Lenide Louis. She is an amazing person, and I had the privilege of being on her show, Best Morning Routine Ever, which is a well-known podcast. She offers an innovative approach to personal development that doesn't just inspire you to change behaviors, but get deep into the subconscious that has been informing your behaviors since you were a child, so you can truly move into a new realm of purpose, potential, and power. She is the creator of the morning routine app, Hit Savers, where you can accomplish nine actionable items in nine minutes in the morning to hack your day. Dr. Lenid, it is so awesome to have you on this show. Bob, it's an honor to be here. It's good to see you again. <laughs> it's very nice to see you. I love your nice, calm energy, which I'm sure in the morning is a great thing when people are starting their day to have a nice, calm energy supporting them. Absolutely, because what we do, uh, the first 10 minutes of the day sets the tone. So you have to be, we have to be intentional, and I am intentional about the tone I set for the day by starting with calmness, by starting with meditation and actually letting that unfold, you know, that peace unfold throughout the day. So thank you for recognizing that. (laughs) Absolutely. And I'm curious because I know that you uh, spent part of your childhood in Haiti and I don't know if growing up, it was a nice, calm environment. Um, so tell me a little bit about childhood. And did you dream of becoming a doctor? Did you dream of doing this work? Or what was the little girl in you aspiring for? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, in Haiti, I was born, so born in Haiti, um, third world country out in the Caribbean. So being out, um, being Haitian, we have, you know, the Maslow hierarchical chart. We are, you know, safety, food, shelter. Well, in Haiti, that's all you're concerned with is you don't know where your next meal is going, is coming from. And the shelter in which you live in is made out of plastic and hay, right? Um, and so if, Say you get the strong wind that day or you get a mudslide, you will be out of a home. So the focus was not about being self-actualized, was not about dreaming big, but mostly about um, safety. Where's my safety and where can I find my next meal? Because it is a third world country. And so I live there with um, my parents and siblings. I'm the oldest out of four on my mom's side, who is um, a single mother. And then my dad's side has 12 kids. And wow. in that culture, that's acceptable. Yeah. That's acceptable. So that's the norm. And so growing up in Haiti, it focus was really, how do I survive today? Do you know with your parents, what gave them the impetus to say, let's pick up and leave the island? Um, because that's a big that's a big step. Yes. Yes. Um, it, it truly is. And so my, my parents wanted a better future. My parents wanted the opportunity, um, for us, for the kids to, um, to, to actually live a better and different life. And so what happens, we got, um, our visas. I was 10 years old. I remember clearly waking up on a Tuesday morning and it was four in the morning. And we got up, we had gotten our papers, our visas, and I was about to get on a plane for the first time. 
at 10 years old. And to me, that was excitement. That was newness. That was uh, something on the other side of this island that I'm about to be exposed to and I'm becoming aware of. And so driving to the airport, we it's just energy of like excitement and we get to um it's 90 degrees in in haiti and then we get on a plane we come to the united states landed in new york city and it was below 30 degrees in new york city and talk about a culture shock (laughs) we get there we are in our sunday's best we know we are in short dresses. We are wearing ankle socks. We are not prepared for what we landed in. And it was, uh, we saw white stuff coming from the sky. We saw snow for the first time. The first day we landed in New York City, we experienced snow. And it was mind boggling to know, the, to see the difference in the, the two worlds and having to come to the United States. But that was the starting of the um of the journey of like, there's possibility. There is more. There's the opportunity to, uh, to attain more besides to not worry just about your, your basic needs, but to actually, um, want to reach your full potential and want to reach, um, self-actualization and want to give back and contribute. So that's how that all started from was that trip from Haiti to landing in New York City in 1995. That is so awesome. And I'm curious. Um, and I think you alluded to this, but after you were in the U.S. for a couple of years, did you start to notice or did you become aware that it was no longer, and maybe it wasn't, but it was no longer about just surviving? It was no longer about surviving, but something more daunting stepped in. It was now poverty in a very lavish uh, place. It was experience of poverty of um not having enough or not being able to to um get a job and maintain it because my mother was single mother as, with three four three um other kids and so she had to work nights to provide and it was always it always seemed like there the money never stayed yeah the money came the sooner it came the faster it was um it was spent and so now we're experiencing um poverty although being here in this great land but my mom had a language barrier you know, so her jobs um, were limited on, on what she can, um, what she could get. And for me as a child, watching that, these subconscious beliefs started forming where because I am not, because I'm an immigrant, I cannot have certain things. What I want is not available to me. And that limiting beliefs really started um, influencing my behavior. And we can get into uh, how it affected me um, at a later later um, age, but those beliefs happen. They we get we, they get instilled in us at a very young age without our permission. Absolutely. And when your mom had this language barrier, and she's now brought you to this country where now poverty is very obvious. Um, there are. Did she have limiting beliefs? Because she obviously believed strong enough that there was possibility and opportunity. Um, and how much of the positive did you take in? Or was her, most of her other beliefs once she got here more limiting? Like what, can you just share with me that emotional journey around finance and survival and new country? Yes, absolutely. So I remember one time we were, it was on a weekend, it was on a Saturday, and we went 
she would take us everywhere with her. So we were her translators, right? We would translate for health insurance, for anything related to the house. And so she would take us with her when she's running errands. And one time she took us downtown Brooklyn and we were helping her get WIC, um, which is the government assistant um, program that um, she was on. She was on to help with buying food for us, the kids. And after we went through that appointment, um, she was qualified. So we went out, she took us out to lunch and to one of, um, one spot that sells, um, fish and chips. But when we were sitting there, we ordered and we're sitting there. There is what five of us, right? But we only ordered two plates of food. Right. Now that is so clear in my mind today, Bob, because that where that really was when that, that negative belief started happening that is affecting me, uh, that affected me at an um, adult in my adult life because I realized I wanted more food, but because we don't have the money, because we don't have the means, because we don't have the funds, we have to make do with just two plates of, which is just French fries and fried fish. Right. Right. You get two pieces of fish on each plate and there's five right. of us. So already it's scarce. That scarce mentality started kicking in. And at, at that moment, as a as a child, and I'm thinking, you know, I want more. I want to be able to eat a whole plate of food by myself if that's feasible. You understand? And so that that moment really stuck with me because it showed me that what I did not want. Yeah. And now I needed to find a way to change that. And how did you go about doing that? Like, how did you start? You saw that you wanted something more. You saw that as an immigrant, I don't get as much choice. Um, and, the, and, and you might have even gotten a message as a woman or as a person of color, uh, limitations um, that other people might not experience, then how did you take all that information in and say, I'm going to do better than what I'm being given? Yeah, absolutely. All that did plague um, my reality, Bob. Yeah, being a, a black woman, being um, an immigrant. Um, even, I mean, kids in school were teasing about being Haitian and, and, and that didn't bother. It was, didn't bother me much. It was more... Now I am in this great land. My mother's telling me to go to school because that's what's going to give us the, the, the money or the, the, the freedom, the education that we need to get better jobs so we can be comfortable. So I took that on religiously. And so I started um, um, applying myself in school more. But one thing that I started doing is I would, I, I would start reading um, novels at night. So I can expedite the learning process so I can learn English faster so that I can understand my classes um, a lot better because I wanted to excel because I knew this would be my ticket out of poverty, out of um, limiting beliefs. This education was the way out. And that's what I've been, that's been ingrained in my mind as well. That's what I've been taught as an immigrant. You go to school, you get an education and then you can get a, a nine to five. You can make 40K to 90K a year. You're set. Life is good. Now, I follow suit. I did all that. However, I was still limited. I was still, I still found myself broke after making the um, $75,000 a year. I could not keep the money because that's what I saw growing up. Money would come into the home and then before the next paycheck, it's gone. And even now, are you aware of any beliefs that still try to creep in sometimes? Is there still sometimes the mindset of, I shouldn't get the whole plate? 
Yeah. And it comes in my business, whether or not I I decide to increase my prices or not. The whole notion of am I worthy of it? Do I deserve it? Comes into play in my own business. So it shows you how powerful these programmings are. Right. Because it starts at, at such an early age that it's in its subconscious. Right. You imagine we are operating out of the subconscious mind 95 percent of the day. And that is done because the brain wants to protect us and the brain wants to free up our conscious mind so we can learn new things so we can better navigate the world. So without our permission. Right. We are operating in this auto out of reap, out of tape, out of programming. So the the when it comes for me to charge higher for my services for my book, that nagging voice would want to stick in and says, "You don't deserve it. You why you try charging higher? Why why do you you're not worthy of it?" That that thought comes up, and then that's when immediately that we were talking about neuro linguistic earlier. That's where um, the program that I've developed called the Habit Rewiring, where we can actually go into the subconscious mind and interrupt that. Yes, that interruption is the key to actually eradicating those um, negative programming that is happening behind the scenes. Absolutely. And uh, I always refer to it as a hiccup. Like when I'm working with people in my workshops, I'm trying to create a hiccup so that, um, that I can, that's the moment when I can catch it and then make a conscious intentional choice instead of repeating the cycle. But we have to be paying attention so we can have the hiccup. Right. We have to become aware that it is happening. And so with, um, with the program that I, I offer with habit rewiring, I actually take you through the process of one, identifying what the root causes of that limiting belief. Like for me, it was being born out of poverty. For me, it was sitting in that restaurant in Brooklyn in 1996. For me, it's um, whenever I cannot have a full plate of food if I desire. That like is ingrained in me. So I take my clients through this process of going to the root cause. Let's find out where this negative belief started. And then once we become aware of it, we have to, as you said, the hiccup, do the interruption. Yeah. We interrupted um, that process and then we have to, once you interrupt it, you can't leave it alone because now you have a void. You have to um, instill new beliefs, new positive, um, not just affirmations, but declarations upon your life. And that's something we must do on a daily basis, Bob, because we have 60,000 thoughts per day. Wow. Okay. And we are waking up every morning with the same thoughts we had yesterday. Now, it's almost impossible to try to be a different person or try to implement new habits if your belief system is the same. If your negative self-talk is the same. You see? So how do you get the negative self-talk? Um, out like because there's 60,000 ideas and you're bringing them over from yesterday and you're copying back from last week and now you're trying to rewire and you're trying to say thank you negative voice uh, but I don't need you anymore like what is besides the interruption what are some of the ways that people can start to be aware that they need that 
you know, if they want to change these, these old thoughts or these negative thoughts to start moving towards a different thought. This is my favorite part, Bob. <laughs> I'm glad you brought it up. One of my favorite topics. Now, as we are in the process of that interruption, first we've acknowledged uh, the thought, the, the root cause. We're like detectives. We found it. And now we are in the interruption piece of it. Now, the best part, and before I get right into the best part, Bob, it is the reason, this is the reason why we cannot build effective habits with ease. This is the reason why we can't build morning routines with no, without falling off the wagon after the second day. This is the reason why we can't be consistent with um, healthy money habits. This is the reason why we can't have healthy relationships because these are the reason behind why we are not f- living to that full potential of who we can be because we haven't gone this last piece uh, um, that I'm going to talk about right now. And this last piece, Bob, is instrumental because you have to upgrade the child. You see, this child has been living in this lack, this scarcity, this limiting belief. I am not enough. I don't deserve it. I am not loved. Um, my parents yelled at me. They didn't love me. They weren't there for me. They didn't make time for me. We've actually um, made these conclusions so early on that this child has been living in that um, state of mind for so long, for decades, right? And so one of the biggest step is to do after um, becoming aware of it and the interruption process is actually upgrading the child. Upgrading the child to who you are planning to be. So there has to be the shift because if you change your mind, you change your life. So this is the process of actually changing the subconscious mind, changing on a deeper level. And once that takes place, your identity will become different. You know, for morning routines in particular, people will say, I'm not a morning person. That's a negative belief. That has become your identity because beliefs repeated over and over becomes our identity, our identity becomes who we are. So you have this belief, which is your identity that I'm not a morning person or I'm bad with money. I can't manage my money. I need to, I don't make enough money. That becomes who you now believe you are. So when we instill and upgrade new beliefs and upgrade the child to the person that we aspire to be, then the, our identity begin to shift from a lack mindset to a, from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. And it's constant. You have to do it on a daily basis. It's just like taking a shower. Zig Ziglar says this motivation is just like taking a shower. It does not last. (laughs) (laughs) And so we, (laughs) we have to be to constantly be doing the work whenever a negative thought pops up, be able to um, reframe it, you know, identifying that that's not who I am because um, the, the, the mission or the goal is um, I want to give an example of somebody who wants to get up and go running. You're, you're not, you're more attracted to, you have to become a runner, you know, that, that has to become your identity for you to do it. And that happens when you are repeating it over and over again, day in and day out, then you become, you own that identity. I'm a runner. So running becomes easy for you. When you're stressed, you go out um, for a run to relieve your stress. So that's that marvelous shift that takes place because you are in the process of shifting your, um, your identity and your personality. 
And once that happens, then sky's the limit. The potential is revealed. It's unveiled. It's unfolded before you. You realize what, how much you're capable of or what you're capable of. So it's pretty fantastic um, with that once that process goes into effect. So I train my, I get my clients to actually come up with um, new identities, new affirmations, new declarations that they uh, uh, have to listen to for 21 days because it takes 21 days for new on pathways to actually um, connect and new nuance to the pathways to connect. And so they listen to that for 21 days and it's almost immediately the clients that I, I talk to, the change is immediate. I have clients who come to me because they feel stuck. They feel stagnant in their life. Like they're not in control of their minds because it does get away with us. And I'll have a session with them and they go off to start a new business. They go off to lose 30 pounds. That's not why they came to see me. But that was a byproduct of getting unstuck. That was a byproduct of releasing and eliminating those negative beliefs. That was unconsciously directing their decision making, their bad habits. Yeah, and I like what you're saying. For me, uh, when I want to get in shape or when I want to lose weight, um, the way I look at it is I become obsessed with it. Like I buy all the books and put them by the bed. I put notes up so that I keep reminding myself to become obsessed with it so that it gets absorbed into the system, maybe over on almost overdrive so that when I can relax into it, I'm now more conscious of my health or I'm more conscious of my saving. And that's, that's what we call exposure therapy in psychology. You're, you're making it obvious and that's how you build on your effective habits by making it easy, by making it obvious, by making it attractive because our environment plays such a key role in who we become. You know, you know, you ever heard people say, you know, you're the product of your environment. Well, that is true. There is some truth to that. If you ever walked into your living room, if you walk into your living room, your environment is constructed so you can relax and sit in front of the TV. Where's the couch facing in front of the TV? How big is the TV? The size of the wall. So you're, you're supposed to be immersed in that environment and actually lose yourself. So environment is so crucial. And so what you did, Bob, with, um, when it comes to your health, buying the books, putting them um, on your nightstand, making them visible, that's you priming your environment for your success. And that's important. I'm so glad you brought it up because we, we undermine the importance of actually setting up our environment to be productive. You know, um, actually cleaning the dishes the night before, making sure you wake up to a clean home. That way in the morning, you don't have to um, frantically trying to find anything. It's there ready for you because in the morning, you, your most precious goal is your willpower. You do not want to experience decision fatigue first thing in the morning because you're trying to find your keys. You're trying to find your meals. You're trying to find the clothes you want to wear so you can go for that run. Any of those behaviors will decrease your chances of executing and, it, and your willpower um, is get. It gets dwindled down throughout the day because of that fatigue. Um, like Steve Jobs wears the same shirt or the same color shirt every day. You know, uh, Mark Zuckerberg wears the same color shirt, wear the same thing because they're not worried about spending their most golden, precious willpower in the morning trying to figure out what to wear right. or whether they're going to go work out. The decision was made the night before. 
How important is that to set that mindset up the night before? In other words, it's great in the morning. We wake up, we, we create some habits, we do some affirmations, but before we go to bed, what can we do to help cultivate the next day being amazing? Yeah, very good question. And it's so surprising that a lot of the entrepreneurs like yourself, when you came on the show and you said it, the morning routine starts the night before. You remember that? (laughs) Like, it's so true because you really have to set yourself up the night before. And that entails two things, Bob. It entails getting a good night's sleep, but also planning for the following day. And so planning include putting the shoes by the um, door before you go to bed putting that glass of water on your nightstand so you can hydrate first thing in the morning so you can get rid of brain fog. Um, putting that book next to your pillow, next to your bed so that you can get up and actually read for 10 minutes in the morning. And all that is prepping and priming your environment, but also preparing the night before. Some people go the extra mile by actually sleeping in their gym clothes. <laughs> they do. Talking about hacking your body, your mind for success, right? You're tricking the body because the body is just going to adhere to what the mind decides. And I think we forget that. We so quickly for, um, give in to the body's aches and pains and, oh, I don't feel like it. That's the body. I don't feel like it. Like, I, I don't want to do this. And then we surrender to that when we should actually be tri- hacking the brain to to automate the things around us, set up our environment so that the brain knows this is the next course of action. So body, whether you're ready or not to get out of this bed, we're moving. And then you realize the minute that you're on the go, you're moving, the body, um, again, is obedient. <laughs> it's going to obey what the mind is telling it to do. And that's our biggest trick. We don't know how to control um to liberate the mind, not even control. Let me choose my words wisely. To liberate the mind because it is um, trapped. It is riddled with negative beliefs. It is riddled with um, reasons why you don't want to do things because it's simply as a as a mammal, it's just trying to keep you safe, honestly. Yeah. Right, yeah. Bob? The brain is just there to keep you safe. And so the second piece about uh, the night, the morning routine starting the night before is I am about, I'm about to debunk one of the biggest myths, the biggest lie we've ever been told is to be a morning, to have a morning routine or to be productive, to, to have a successful or to be a successful entrepreneur, you have to be a morning person. That's a lie because everybody is created differently. We have different chronotypes, right? We have different times of the day when we're most productive. And I think a lot of people fail to realize that. And that's what one of the things, the minute you come on board with me on my, on my programs, I find out what your chronotype is. When is the best time for you to wake up? When is the best time for you to, um, do hard, deep work? When is the best time to check emails? When's the best time to eat? Because you want to actually optimize your energy. And so the chronotypes, you know, there's four different ones. You can be a lion, a bear, a wolf, a wolf, and a dolphin. And they all wake up at different times of the day and they all go to sleep at different times of the day. And so a lot of people are misled thinking that, oh, I have to go to sleep at nine o'clock every night and I have to wake up at 4 a.m. every morning if I want a shot at this success life and uh, happiness and self-actualization. And that's a huge lie because 
I myself, I'm a lion. I'm up. I'm the one that is up at 4 or 5 a.m., but I'm also tired by 6 o'clock. I can't even remember my name because that's I'm, I'm, my productivity is best during the morning, <laughs> right? Then you have a bear that will wake up at 6 o'clock but can work till 11 o'clock with no problem. And the, the most of the most outlier is the wolf. The wolf does not start getting productive until 5 p.m. Now that doesn't work for a nine to five because people are getting out of work at that time. Between nine and midnight is when the wolf can actually do the most um, critical work, but they are also going to sleep at midnight and they're waking up the, the lake waking up at seven 30 or eight o'clock. And I want to let people know that that's okay. That is your circadian clock. That is your internal clock. So we learn to work with our bodies instead of against it. You know, trying to fit a box, trying to be a cookie cutter. You know what I mean? So we individualize each plan for everyone on what, how they are designed genetically. I love that. And I, I want to bring it back to you. And I'm curious if when if and when you had that moment remembering that time in Brooklyn buying the two plates for five people, the first time that you bought a plate for everybody or a plate for you and a plate for your mom, like, do you remember consciously at one point saying, oh my gosh, I'm in a different place? Yes. Yes, I do remember that that moment. And it was it was the I was I was living in San Diego at the time. I had moved out in San Diego from um the East Coast to pursue my PhD in business psychology. And this was in twenty fifteen. I remember upon graduation I wanted my whole family here. They had never been to California. I moved out here by myself and they haven't seen me in four, six years. And so I remember paying not just for everyone to eat, but paying for their flight, paying for everyone to come over to my graduation. And we enjoyed the week together where we went to um, SeaWorld. We, we did all this at family activities because it was that moment I realized, okay, this is a different lifestyle. This is a different way of, of, of not having or having to buy two plates. Now I, everybody gets their own plate. And guess what? We get to choose. You want a different restaurant? Let's do it with no problem. And it was really that moment of having to pay for them to fly from the East Coast to get here too. So it was really an empowering feeling to actually have combated that, um, that belief, that negative belief that I, I, I cannot have these things that are available for me. Cause all, honestly, all we truly want is to um, make the people in our lives happy and to live a comfortable life. And if us, for us, if that success is being able to provide for our family, then we've reached it. I'm sure that your mom was incredibly proud. <laughs> she truly was. She truly was. Um. <laughs> that's, that's so beautiful. Um, we are at our fast five. Um, and I want to, so I want to shift a little bit, um, and just ask you a few questions that are just top of the mind. Sure. What's the last thing you do each night before you climb into bed? I look at my goals. 
<laughs> I look at my goals. I have my goals written out in a journal that I pull up every night. I look at them three times a day, actually, in the morning, lunchtime, and at night. And at night, I open up the um, the app where I have the screenshots saved, and I look at my year goal and my my year one and my year two goals. And then I have a list of affirmations that I um, I speak over my life. Um, before going to sleep. And that has helped me to stay calm. That has helped me to be happy. That has helped me to um, live my purpose. Um, because again, I told you just like taking a shower, that daily work of eradicating those negative beliefs because they're, they're, they're programmed. And so I do that nightly by looking at my goals and also reading my list of affirmations. So important. So important. So everybody out there, take note, set some intentionality. Yeah, because the subconscious mind is working for you all the time. So before you go to sleep, you better give it something to work for or else you're going to be having these nightmares. Your mind's going to wonder because the subconscious mind doesn't sleep. So I think it's Edison that said, never go to sleep without a request to your mind. And so that's what that is for me. I'm telling my mind, these are my goals. These are the things that I want to accomplish. I don't know how that's going to happen, but I trust that um, it will. the universe is going to provide and make that happen. Give me the equipment me with the skills, the the talent, the people, the resources to make that happen. So I have that trust in in the process. But Bob, you're going to love this because my goals are my financial goals. How much money I want to make in in 2021, how much money I want to make in 2022, and then how many clients do I need to serve to make that happen? That's awesome. Very intentional and very conscious. So I really appreciate that. All right. I'm going to, this is crazy, but are you related or distant related to anybody super famous? I am not related to anybody super famous. Not that I know of. <laughs> okay. Um, um, are you, Bob? Uh, not that I know of. <laughs> um, not that anybody else would know. Famous in their own minds. Uh, um, can you yeah. give me, um, do you have a favorite quote that you love? I do. I do have a favorite quote and the quote is Maya Angelou and it says, people will, you know, that one. Yes. (laughs) And I'm about to butcher it, but people, yeah, people will remember what you say, but they will always, they won't remember what you say, but they will remember how you made them feel. Um, I'm plagiarizing and, and uh, but that's along the line of what she says. And that quote is super important because it, it shows us that, um, the importance of treating others well and, and treating ourselves well, because you can't give what you don't have. And if you're not good to yourself, you're not going to be good to other people. Who is your favorite cartoon character and why? SpongeBob. <laughs> <laughs> SpongeBob is my favorite character because he's so oblivious to reality. He's so like always in La La Land. He's so optimistic. He's so happy. He's so he always sees the the silver lining in every situation. And he teaches me how to be a, a kid. He teaches me how to be a child. He teaches me how to tap into that inner beauty of innocence. <laughs> that is awesome. What was your last impulse buy? Oh boy, I bought a pair of Louis Vuitton red bottom shoes <laughs> for my wedding. <laughs> and was it worth it? And they are so gorgeous. Absolutely. Hashtag worth it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. 
it's it's a sign it's a sign of status too bob it's 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 coming overcoming that limiting belief that you don't deserve certain things you don't deserve nice things and for me that was the 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 corporate of what hey i can now afford this so this is awesome this is amazing i am actually improving and it's a reminder because I have it in the middle, like in the, in the, in sight, in the living room where I can see the red bottoms. I, we, it, <laughs> because it, it's a status. <laughs> that's awesome. It's reaffirming. It's reaffirming. And I think that's, uh, that's, that's great. Um, let me ask you this. We're at our sweet spot M&M moment, money and motivation. And I'm wondering if you have a practical financial tip or a piece of wealth wisdom, something that has worked for you that our listeners could take away with them? Yes. Um, two of them. One, if you're bad with money, marry somebody who is good with money. Okay. <laughs> that, that's, that's the number one tip. I am, I am now recently married. It's going to be six months and I'm realizing how much my husband knows about it and how much he, um, does such an awesome job at managing our finances compared to, to how I was doing it. I thought I improved. I thought I got better, right? Cause I'm coming from lack and poverty and not knowing anything. And I get with him and he's on a whole different level. So marry someone that knows financing and how to budget and manage your money. Um, the other piece is it's okay to put aside immediate gratification for long-term benefits. Absolutely. And um, if you don't want to marry them, just date them a really long time. <laughs> you can get all their information. <laughs> yeah. Cohabitate. Um, cohabitate. Yes. Glean the information. Um, and I definitely yeah. think delayed gratification is something in this country uh, and most countries, but I think especially in the U.S., we could all benefit from more delayed gratification instead of having to have everything in the moment um, so that we actually appreciate what we do have. I was going to say, this is where the second model of thinking comes from, right? The same thing with building habits. We we're so quick. We want to eat that donut because it's going to be delicious and satisfying versus having the apple where you don't see the immediate um, result. It's really three months later that you saw the, the, uh, the end result of the habit actually working versus right now we are so like, immediate gratification. Give it to me now. I want to feel it now. I want pleasure now. I want fun now. And then it costs us on the long run versus if we actually mitigate that, um, think about it a little bit and, and rashing it out, then the benefits long-term will be so much more bigger than the, the results or the, the gratification in the moment. Well, absolutely. And I can think of that definitely the donut is more sexy in the moment than the apple. But three months later, I'm probably going to not be as sexy if I had the donut than if I had the apple. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Where can people find you on social media uh, and online? And you have a book. Tell us about that. Yes, sure. People can find me on social media, best morning routine ever. Um, that's my social handle for, um, Twitter, um, IG, Facebook, best morning routine. And also where you're listening to this podcast, the best morning routine ever podcast is being aired. It comes out twice a week. So tune in there for some amazing tips on how successful entrepreneurs like Bob yourself comes on and tell us the tricks and hacks on how to um, optimize our performance, our productivity, and essentially our life. And so that's, um, aired on uh, or wherever podcasts are available. 
Um, but also going into looneedlewis.com, you'll see the work that I do with habit rewiring. I do it for business owners. I do it for um, individuals as well. But we simply start by identifying what your circadian clock is and we go from there and it, it helps with the business development, personal goals, all that good stuff. And also on the website, you can get the copy of the book um, for free. It's called the, um, the hab- it's called uh, the habit. The power of your habit will control your destiny is what it's called. And it talks about morning tips and how one little um, habit done every day, how it can have a lifetime effect on your life. So um, powerful read, go on um, looneedlewis.com or bestmorningroutineever.com um, and you'll find um, some a lot of freebies. I have a good um, report on 10 things you must know before studying a morning routine. Awesome. Well, we will be sure to put all of that up in our notes and information and we'll push that out. Um, I want to say to our listeners, please don't forget to share the love. Like, follow, and share on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Search for Money You Should Ask, all one word. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast player or visit Apple Podcasts and search for Money You Should Ask or click on the link in the description. If you're watching this episode on YouTube, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. For more tips, tools, or how to learn how to have a healthy relationship with money, visit themoneynerve.com. That's nerve, not nerd. I'm often a nerd, but it's themoneynerve.com. Dr. Lanid, it has been such a pleasure. I so appreciate you sharing your story and this wonderful information, and I really appreciate it on behalf of all the listeners. It's been It's been my pleasure, Bob. Thank you for the opportunity and thank you for having me on this amazing show.